Thank you for listening to this episode of Courtside Indiana Podcast. Please hit the subscribe or add button on your podcast app to get them delivered straight to your phone, tablet, or desktop. As always, we'd appreciate our rating and review. And you can reach us directly on our Courtside Indiana Twitter at CourtsideIND. Episode 103 of Courts at Indiana Podcast. I'm Jim Reamer. Joined as always with Zach Tyler. Zach, my man, what's on your mind today? What are we going to talk about today? Um, I came across that Indie Star article from, uh, was that yesterday? It was, yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah. Talking we'll just about, jump right into that. Talking about uh, Coach, Coach, it was actually Coach Reinhardt talking about uh, Coach Reinhardt from Lafayette Harrison. Uh, they had just lost to Tech the night before, and it kind of was talking about the high schools recruiting, uh, pl- uh, just a bunch of AAU guys coming together and playing together. Is that is that what I'm reading from that? Yeah, I mean, I obviously I've put out a six tweet thread in response to it. I and I and I sympathize with him a little bit. I guess the question for those that didn't catch it. There was a letter put out in October, or at least that's when I saw it. I saw the letter on October 6th. I went back and checked my texts. Uh, Coach Reinhardt, we've spoken a lot in the past. He, he was not the one who forwarded it to me. So um, he, he, there's a lot of other people that share his views, of course. I mean, he, he cited 52 coaches. I'm sorry, the, the letter cited 52 coaches, or the article cited 52 coaches. And, you know, that's – that's a decent chunk of coaches, especially, especially when I doubt very much that they pulled the whole state. Um, and I don't know, look, and I, I live in a community where no one ever sympathizes if Carmel loses a kid and, but we don't get a lot of kids, you know, I mean, we, obviously we've got a good one this year that moved up from Houston. Um, recent ones in the past, Karsten Windland came when his father took over the girls coaching job. And then before that, it was Keegan called from Hamilton Southeastern, um, you know, and, and, you know, those, but, but it's not the type of stuff that it's not the influx of kids that have, that leave a big school and go to, in this case, smaller schools, but it's, it's the, the influx of, I guess tech is obviously the, the main example. And I guess when he tries to act like it's not, I guess my, my couple of exceptions to his position are they act like they're not trying to single out a school. Right. And while you can, while you can not hate on the kids because the kids aren't necessarily the ones that are making these decisions again, acting like you're not trying to single out the kids um, I mean, they just, they are, they oh. are, they are singling out tech. They are singling out. I, I'm sure in the back of his mind, he's thinking about Kokomo, a future, a sectional foe because Kokomo got the, you know, the, the I'm going to call him a foreign exchange student. He's not uh, Fiore Badunga. He's part of uh, an immigration program that Kokomo is, is a part of. And, and the article is that 
if the past link rule or, or if the I like I just the article really goes into detail of, or talks about IHSA rules, mainly in, in regards to tech, the past link rule. Um, is it fair for tech to get this influx of talent? All, you know, a lot of some of these guys played for Coach Turner um, in, in AAU. Um, but the, the past link rule in this instance wasn't violated. It wasn't violated in that Coach Turner had been there for over a year, and it wasn't violated in that these guys did not come from, especially two of them came from prep schools. Right. Um, now, obviously, you know, Rasheed Jones started out at Marion, and um, Reggie Bass started out at Muncie Central, but Bass had been out of, out of the IHSAA framework for two years, and, and Jones had been out of the IHSA framework for a year. So as the way the rule, the way the rules are written, no rules were violated. No rules were even come close to infringed upon. And somebody, somebody sent me a message saying, well, the spirit of the rule. Well, no, this isn't, these aren't the unwritten rules of baseball. This, these aren't the unwritten <laughs> rules of trash talk on the floor or whatever. And these are rules are rules. You either follow them or you don't. And in this case, they're following them. Um, you know, there's no re any coach would be willing to take advantage of the rule. Nobody would turn these kids away. I mean, they're good kids. Um, they would change the dynamic of your team for sure. Would would a parent or two be upset if their player if their son's position on the team was usurped by these by these people by one of these kids? Absolutely. But that says more about the parent than it does about the kid. That says, and if the other kid, if the other kids in the team are upset, and the, and he, Reinhardt didn't address this. This is just, this is just us by talking hypothetically. There was an instance where a kid wanted to move to Rossville in the early two hundred, the early two thousands, and Rossville denied him and denied the enrollment. Now, I don't know if they, they had the, the backing of, well, if you don't live in this district, you can't come to school here, which is very much within their rights. But um, the, the bottom line was, was that um, they had taken kids that moved in. They just didn't want a situation where somebody would come in and take up a ton of playing time. You know, and it, and it would have been an impact player. And this was 20 years ago. That's the only instance I know where a school has done that. Right. Um, you know, and again, maybe the, and maybe they do have, you know, the, some schools obviously in the state have closed borders. They don't take, they don't take tuition kids. They don't take kids out of district who pay tuition, but, but that's the only issue. That's the only instance I know where that has happened uh, from at a public school perspective. Obviously some private schools have different forms of admission that you have to adhere to, but but nobody would turn these kids away right. um, unless there were instances of recruiting violations, undue influence, but undue influence is very hard to prove in this state. And the past link rule was supposed to provide some level of tangible assessment to these situations where the IHSA could make decisions not based on intent, but based just on facts. So the question, Zach, is, well, let's just summarize that real quick. The bottom line is no rules were broken. 
No rules were even infringed upon. So the question is, should the rule be expanded? That's I'm asking you. Should the rule be right. expanded? And how would you expand it? What would be the what would be the goal behind expanding the rule? Well, the the goal behind expanding the rule is look, if somebody moved here from Illinois or you know, one of the let's say an adjacent state, it doesn't have to be an adjacent state, it could be from Texas. Somebody moved to Carmel from Texas, let's say that happened, right? The move was legitimate in terms of legitimate change of residency, right? Or bona fide change of residency, which is how it's worded. Um, so that's an instance where a kid, you know, a kid did this, but, but let's say the, the original school, let, let's just make it a little bit more realistic. Somebody moves over from Illinois, such as last year when we had all the issues with COVID the, the, the departing school, the ITSA would, would respect the wishes of the school in Illinois if they wanted to challenge the move. So if they challenge the move, the ITSA would, would likely respect it. Like you can't just transfer in in here from out of state without having that state's association have a voice. And in this case, the, you know, the, the, the departing school. So those kids that moved over here from Illinois last year to play in border, to play in schools that were pretty close, you know, obviously close to the border. I have no clue if they moved over here or not. Um, I have no clue if they just decided to go to school like places like Sullivan, for example. Um, one of them still there. Um, the Hills kids still there, but the Illinois schools, as, as I understand it, didn't challenge anything because, you know, that's just, just not, wasn't in their control that the state of Illinois postponed and screwed around with their school season last year. Right. Right. Um, so the ITSA respected the transfers and those kids were able to play and they should have been, you know, that's, but I would imagine that the ITSA did listen to input from those Illinois schools saying, Hey, do you think this move is this transfer is on the up and up? And, and as I, as I understand, at least in one of them, the answer was sure. We were fine with it. I don't know about the other, the kid that's there now, it seemed like Casey Western Westfield was fine with it. And maybe I got those two flop, but, but, you know, to me, if they want to expand the rule, they would broaden the time frame for which the past link rule applies. And they wouldn't care where the kid came from. Understand what I'm saying? So if, if in this case, a prep school, for example, right? Like it's, it's, it's clear Turner coach Turner. And again, no rules were violated. So I don't begrudge him from doing any of this, any of this stuff from happening. Um, Coach Turner coached these kids last summer. But the 365 days only applies to school seasons. So it had been more than 365 days since Jones or Bass had played had played in a school season in this state or at, in a, at a state association school. And it had been more than 365 days since Coach Turner was hired. Have you heard any complaints about Bontrager playing at Leo? I've heard none. No. None. None. Zero, right? Zero. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's I wonder, I wonder if any of the people, and I'm not going to, we're never going to know that. Well, I might be able to find out, but 
I wonder if any of the coaches on that list play Leo. Yeah. I mean, are we just singling tech? It just seems like we're singling out the teams that were on. It, it seems like they're singling out tech. When the letter came across to me in October, it seemed way more to do about tech and seemed way more to do about Kokomo than it, than it did about anything else that's going on in the state of Indiana. Any of these other moves. Is the, the Burbuff kid, is he part of the, is he a foreign exchange student kind of kid? What is, what's his situation? I, that's more of an A-Hope thing. Okay. For those that don't know, A-Hope had brought over a series of kids. It's not as it's not as plentiful as it was back then, and, and only a few of them ended up at high school here in Indiana. Um, so the rest of them, that was more of an AAU deal than it was anything to do with high school. But but that would have been what um, uh, Mejak Mabor was at HSC. I think he was part of that program. Oh, sure. Yeah. Now, I, I say program that I, we're still talking about the, the officially the issue is of, is of what type of visa do they have? I don't know if Mabor at HSC or or Marielle Poo at Poo at uh, or Poe at um, Burbuff what their immigration status is. But I do know that Marielle Poe lives with um, lives with a family that has hosted many, many kids, has hosted many kids over the years or a few, maybe not many, but a few. Um, and I don't know if any of them have been at Indiana high schools. I, I don't know how that's played out, to be honest. Um, and there's no reason to check because again, there's no rule violation. <laughs> there's, right. there's none, but yeah, he, I think he's, um, I, I don't remember when he came over, if he went to a prep school last year and just as a buff this year or what, but um, yeah, I don't know that buff is in the crosshairs of this letter either. So it just seems like we're talking about tech. I mean, I just, it's a little, and look, the worst time to talk to a coach about anything is after they lose. Yeah. Um. But do you think that do you so do you think the rules should be expanded or broadened? I guess those are the same damn words, but I just I guess I just don't see the point in expanding or broadening it. I mean, how many cases we we're we don't know how many cases there are like this, I guess. And how often this really happens? Is it really happening well, enough that we need to? Well, we do. I mean, we can, we can, we don't, I mean, put a total number to it. No, I don't know that we look, we can look, obviously the crap that went down at Greenwood, Greenwood Christian Academy last year with, with Johnny Marlin. Um, you know, he, he trained some of those guys, but you know, in the, in the, in the instance of one a couple of families that moved there, there were legitimate moves. Right. We could talk about Micah Davis at, at, at uh, Franklin. You know, here was a kid that was homeschooled last year. Um, I think he's being trained by by Adrian Moss. But here's a kid that ends up at Franklin after Moss gets hired. And people in that area are kind of wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And, oh, this is how Moss. I mean, there's a thread on Harold's website about how Moss got him to go there, blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, look, Moss didn't get hired because he could get Micah Davis to go to Franklin. (laughs) 
if the Davis family decided after he got that job, hey, we we want our we know we want our kid to go to school now. That's that's fine by me as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, they have a relationship with that with that coach, and I don't I don't see anything wrong with it if as long as it doesn't like as long as all of a sudden every you know half the kids he, somebody starts to train ends up there, right? Um, yeah. Now I will I will say this though, we. There is a, a, a 4A coach that got hired a few years ago, not in Hamilton County, just to be specific, just to be that asked me if I would be willing to work on his staff. And as much as I appreciated the offer and as much as I considered it, when I told him no, a few days later, the question was asked, well, do, do you think I need to have an AAU guy on my staff? <laughs> And I go, what do you mean by that? And he's like, well, do I need to have somebody who's got their, you know, their ears and eyes to the, you know, the grindstone, so to speak, of kids that are interested in moving and maybe interest some kids in moving here? <laughs> and my reply was, well, no, I don't think so. And he, he asked me flat out, do you think that's being done? And I said, absolutely. I said, but, but you're in a community where you could have, and they, and they do have a good youth program there. You're in a community where you could have a, a, a bountiful youth program. And that's going to be the core of how of where you get your kids. And if you attract some people along the way that are looking to move, regardless of reason, whether it be work or, or education or, or whatever, you're in a great situation. And he absolutely agreed with that. That was the big reason why he took the job. But, but at the same – or went after the job. But at the same time, it was in the back of his mind that, you know, this was his first big school job. Um, this was his first big school job and he just wondered if that was the landscape, you know, and I don't want to, I'm not going to give any more details on him because it, I'm not trying to, I just thought it was an interesting conversation that applies directly to today. Yeah. Um, but as many times as I've been offered a position to help out or asked, or just even just probed of interest, that was the first time that had ever come up. Um, you know, and I know there have been times where guys like that have been hired. And I will say this, more and more schools are hiring guys who, who do have a training background. Not because they want to lure kids, but because they want a guy who has a training background. You know, not all these guys that coach have outstanding, you know, that have have get in the gym every night separate you know in, you know separately or or during the off season and just work kids out it it, it takes a special person to want to do that it, you have to want to do that even as a coach to do that um you know my individual anytime i start working kids out we just end up breaking down the things that we do <laughs> and i think most school coaches would do that it's still, it's still fundamental and it's still helping the kids get better, but it's also helping the kids get better within the framework of our structure. Um, and I see nothing wrong with kids seeking outside counsel on how to improve their game. Um, but yeah, there's some really good guys out there that train that would be excellent, you know, on, co on coaching staffs. Um, 
but you know, for the, for the job of trying to lure kids into their program, does it happen? Absolutely. Um, is that why this rule is in place? Absolutely. But I think the IHSA's intention when they put the rule out was to keep people from recruiting from one school to the other. I don't think they thought in their mind you'd have kids leaving this, leaving the IHSA system for prep schools and returning a year or two later, later, right? Like in the instance of Jones. So that's my question: is should the rule be expanded? I don't. I don't think so. You don't think so? I don't think that happens enough to make to warrant a change. <sighs> Yeah, I, I think the only thing that I would change is I don't – they need to get rid of the rule that says um, 365 days of playing. Like, they need to get rid of the kids' side of the rule, if, if that makes sense. So it shouldn't have mattered where Bass and Jones came from. They were with – just because they weren't part of the IHSA – or part of some state association school that could have a voice. Um, I don't think that, I, I think that that shouldn't matter. Just like it shouldn't matter where Jalen Brewer right. went to when he's transferring to the school in his district. Um, I, I don't think it should, even though that's, again, the rule doesn't account for that public to public um we droned on about that in the past in real time so i don't i just wanted to reference it we won't go too deep into that but but i I think the rules should not care where these kids come from or what school these kids come from now you get into gray area if they do move in the district yeah what to do then but that's where the past that's what the past link rule is supposed to combat the past link rule is supposed to combat it's supposed to remove the nebulous, the, 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 the nebulousness. I'm not even sure that's a word of what undue influence is. I mean, look, if I'm Reggie Bass and, and I'm Rasheed Jones, I want to go play for coach Turner. Sure. I mean, why not? They enjoy right. playing for me the summer. You know, Davion, his son is their friend. Yep. I don't, I don't see anything wrong with that. You know, begrudging kids, the ability to go play, as, as much as I think our transfer rules are what they are, and I don't think they should be loosened or even tightened, um, the, specifically the transfer rules. If this, if this uh, past link rule is going to have any teeth to it, um, they, they just would say 365 days period, not, not, add, all, not add these couple of stipulations to it. Um, because it's clear that, you know, two things are clear. It's, it's clear that Turner coached these guys up through the summer. You know, it's clear. That everybody knows that. Everybody that follows anything outside of, of high school, of the high school season, knows that's who these kids played for. But the other thing that's clear is, and as it's currently written, they didn't violate any rules. So I just don't have a whole lot of sympathy. Exactly. Now, if their intent is to shed light on it and create a stir, create conversation, to then compel a rule change, um, then I guess we are providing that platform currently to, to have that discussion. Um, but that would be the only way I would change it is it's either it's, it's it has nothing to do with when you last played for an IHSA school. It has nothing to do with when you last, when you were hired, the, the question should just be 
has it been 365 days since you've had, you know, since you've had um, direct input on these kids, since you've co- a non-school coach, as they say, or a non-school, a non-school coach environment. Um, you know, that's, that would eliminate, that would eliminate that. And it would be pretty black and white. Right. What is, is Arsenal tech a, a district? Like, do they have outline district or <laughs> no, not anymore. IPS has been a mess for, 30 years man right right I, that's why i wasn't sure if that played no. into it at all too if no they no they don't i ips is is um well look they they did they a lot of the decisions they've made they made to survive as sure. a school system not definitely, as a, definitely not not athletically um when they went the magnet school route that whatever lines were left were obliterated exactly so that's I why mean, I, I used if that I used plays to go, into this at all too no it doesn't not really i used to go pick up a kid that lived two blocks away from short ridge and taking the broad ripple three days a week yeah, to the point where it just made more sense. I mean, it was his decision, but, and I had room to the point where it just made more sense for him to live with me for a number of months. Cause I, there's a point though. I was the only way he was getting to school. So my comment was, why do, why don't you just go to short Ridge? You know, short Ridge didn't have, they were just reopening and they didn't really have a basketball program. Yeah. Um, and as much as they are struggling of late, they, they at least, have some traction there where, where kids can go and play and be taught and be, you know, short Ridge then was just something that was patched together, but, but going to broad ripple, you know, that's where he wanted to go. I don't know how he ended up there, but, but yeah, he ended up living with me most of his senior year. And, and because it was easier for me just to take him to school than it was to go pick him up. Was this an issue when Trey Lyles and CJ Walker were at tech? Is that was that no, talked about with those the, two? The Walker one. Well, now we're just picking on tech, aren't we? <laughs> the Walker one. Um, I don't know where he would where he would have went to school. Um, and look, both those guys were there as freshmen. Uh, let's see, was Miles? Yeah, both those guys were there as freshmen. So the IHSA doesn't care. Other than undue influence, the IHSA doesn't care where you where you live or where you enroll when you're a freshman. You can live in Carmel and enroll at Evansville Rights. You know, you can live in Carmel and enroll in. Fort Wayne South. They don't right. care about that. All they clearly, right? You can live in Wayne Township and enroll at Avon, right? Right. Jalen Brewer. They don't they don't care about that. They only care what happens once you get in. Okay. So that's what the Brewer situation was. The only thing with Lyles was that he definitely I don't know where Walker went to middle school. Lyles was definitely a Decatur Township school. Now township and city schools are different here in Marion County. Um, we can get it, you know, we can get into what Unigov is and how almost, you know, how, how almost the entire County is under one government with a couple of exceptions like Speedway and Lawrence Township actually has their own mayor. Um, Beach Grove has their own mayor. Speedway has their own mayor. Um, you know, those are cities within the city, but the rest of it is like Wayne, like North central is just Washington township. They are not part of IPS. There are definitely Washington Township definitely has lines. Pike Township definitely has lines. There's nine of them. Well, there's nine schools. Um, but IPS, as it's currently consisted of right now, is is Tech, Attics, um, Short Ridge, um, and um, it used to be a bunch of schools. Now it's now it's just potluck. Hold on a second, I'll tell you who it is. IPS right now is currently. Attics, 
Um, um, <laughs> Short Ridge, Tech, and Washington. That's IPS. Tinley is a charter school. Uh, Roncalli is, well, they're not even, they're parochial. Um, Riverside is a charter school. Um, Metropolitan is a charter school. International is a private school. Heron is, you know what? Heron may be part of IPS too. Um, you know, and you went back to like schools like Arlington and Manuel, um, you know, John Marshall, those schools were all part of IPS schools that are no longer open as high schools. In John Marshall's case, I'm not sure they're open at all. Northwest used to be, you know, used to always be good. Um, but now they're no, now they're just a middle school. Uh, there, there's been some school like Attics was closed for a number of years, but, but yeah, so, so the tech boundary thing is, yeah, is not, is not the issue here at all. Um, but, um, yeah, that's, so that's, that's not the issue. Now, CJ Walker, I don't know where he would have gone, but he was there as a freshman. So that's no big deal. And Lyles was there as a freshman too. Right. So within the rules, that's no big deal either. Okay. Just was clear that when Trey Lyles shows up at Decatur, you know, from Decatur central and his dad's suddenly on your coaching staff. <laughs> now, you know, his father had coaching backgrounds, definitely had a playing background. So, so that's not completely far-fetched, but, but we all knew what that was and, and that's, and that's fine. Um, but nobody would have turned Trey Lyles down. Right. When Paul Scruggs, family was shopping him around, there were a lot of people that complained after he chose Southport. And my response to a couple of those guys, a couple of those coaches are friends of mine, guys that I, especially the, a couple of the older ones that I admire and really looked up to when I was young, you, he came to your school to check it out you just didn't choose your school and you sure as hell didn't tell him no <laughs> you know Scruggs I mean that was Scruggs grew up at IPS and he wasn't going to an IPS school he may have gone to tech but he wasn't going anywhere he was taking the township tour for for damn sure um Lyles is the one stud that we're getting off topic here but Lyles is the one stud that moved from move from um, a township school to, to IPS specifically. And they're, they're, the allure there was simply, it'd be great if we could make tech great again. And it, you know, it worked. Yeah. Um, basketball's fun when the city schools are good. Basketball's really fun when the city schools are good. But I mean this, the traditional city schools, not, nothing against the charter schools that we have today. Some of those teams are, are really good. Tenley's really good, for example. Um, but you know, anyway. So that's that's where we are with that. I I, I don't know. I I've look, I get coaches are frustrated when when they see stuff like that happen, but again, they have to ask themselves, are rules being violated? You know, and if, if the intent is to evoke some sort of change, then great. Um, I don't know that that was the right way to go about it. You know, and, and when Kyle Nedrip did the article at the beginning of the year about tech, talked about where those kids came from, talked about their friendship, talked about who they played for in the summer. I don't think at any point did he mention the pass link rule. If he did, I, Mike, I know I, I look back at my texts that I sent back and forth with one of these coaches. And 
one of the things was it may have been a little bit better if he would have talked about the past link rule and how it wasn't violated or how it didn't apply in this instance. Yeah. I don't, so without going back and reading that article, I don't remember that, that Kyle mentioned it. Um, and I don't know if Kyle went to this game because he knew this was going to be an issue, you know, something to discuss post game. I don't blame Kyle for that at all. You know, he's a newspaper. This is his job is to evoke readership and discussion. And, and here we are doing, well, here I am doing both. I don't know <laughs> if you read it or not. I don't know if you were able to read it or not, but you've got to be a subscriber of the star to read a lot of what Kyle writes. Yeah. Um, but I, I wish Kyle would have said something in the, the article in the, the preseason article about how the past link rule here is what it is, but here's where it didn't, didn't apply. Um, because, um, well, the way the rules are written. So the, the same explicit, explicity, explicity, wait, what is that? How, what am I, the same explicit language used to screw over Jaden Brewer right. is the same explicit <laughs> language used here to allow what, what is going on at tech. Exactly. Um, and the tech side of it, I have no problem with, <laughs> but I guess if we're going to lump Brewer into all this stuff, those are two rules that should be re recon the language of those rules should be reconsidered. Um, but again, to be clear, nothing at tech going on this year was a violation of any current rule. So it's no, no problem for me. So it won't be a problem for me unless they meet Carmel in the state finals. Yeah. Then we're, then we're going to talk that, about it. Again. Not that it's going to be a walk in the park for either one of these teams. <laughs> <clears throat> but as Damon says, they're beatable, right? Yeah, he said that. So for everybody's beatable. All right, well let's get let's get into recruiting real quick. Get get our recruiting updates, and then we're going to talk a little bit about two A hierarchy. We already said this is episode one hundred three, right? Uh, I'm not sure we mentioned yeah, that. Yeah, it is. Maybe. It's episode okay. one hundred three. We're going to do our get our recruiting updates from Zach. We're going to talk a little bit of two A hierarchy, and then we're going to get into our weekly stuff and and move on. So, Zach, go ahead and take her away. All right. We had one commitment and four offers, looks like. Yeah, four four offers this week. Um, our commitment was Evan Kretz from Russiaville. He's going to IU Kokomo. Uh, and then we had Caden Vasco from Bosco Prep up here uh, get an Army offer. Jalen Harrelson picked up that Purdue offer coming out of uh, Fishers. He's the freshman. And then we had Omari Ferguson. From Indy Metro, get a Santa Monica offer. That's a Juco. And AJ Rossman from Chittard, a Holy Cross offer, which is an NAI right down the street from my house. Yep. And we're, and we're recording this on Sunday mornings now, by the way. So two of those offers, the last two you read were last Sunday. So right. as we record Sunday mornings, the one thing we miss is, you know, there's usually a lot of good activity Sunday night recruiting wise, but but this is the best time for us to do this. So at least with me, with me and you, if, if we add guys like Nick on the pod, Nick and I can do it early Monday morning and get it up. And <laughs> so, um, hold on. I was going to, yeah, I, I, you know, Jalen Harrison continues to impress. We talked last week about, um, no, we've not talked about it yet. We've not talked about, um, him guarding, um, Javon Buchanan from Lafayette, Jeff, that comes later. Uh, but he continues to impress. The Kretz one is 
Evan Kretz has been a varsity kid at Western his whole career. Uh, you said Rusheville, that's where Western High School is. And he's slowly, he's an early maturing kid who has slowly improved his perimeter game. And I, I shouldn't say slowly, has, has progressively improved his perimeter game to the point now. I mean, he's a physical kid. He plays hard. And now he's, he's definitely you know, made the adjustment to no longer being the biggest kid on the court. Um, IUK will be a great situation for him. It's extremely close to home. Um, Ferguson, if anybody screams prep school or fifth year of school or junior college and get re-recruited, it's Omari Ferguson. The kid is so freaking athletic and plays so hard. And, you know, the only thing left for him now is just really developing his skill, like his overall skill, just um, being able to make decisions and handle the ball in tight spaces and, and make, you know, make plays. He's electric in, in space. Um, he's fabulous in space. Um, he just needs to improve his shot um, and, and tighten up, tighten up some things. And, and Roseman, I mean, what can you say? Chittard is what, 10 and 0 or 11 and 0 right now? Yeah. Um, we probably should have included them when we talked about the 3A hierarchy a couple of podcasts ago. Um, but I don't know that they had a, a great win. Their best win was like a struggling Evansville bossy who had just made a two and a half, three hour trip up on a school day. That was a weird schedule. Almost as weird as Mishawak and Marion coming down here to play Westfield on a on a or play cathedral on a Tuesday. Yeah. Um <laughs> that seems like that screams that has like a Saturday game all over it, right? Sure. Um but AJ Roseman has given them uh, another piece. He's definitely he's their leading scorer. So he's given them a legitimate scoring option to go with the other kids they've got that play so hard. And, and um you know Carter St. John is a tremendous ball handler and, and decision maker. And now that he's got a really good running mate in Roseman, no offense to whoever there was, who's, who's Roseman's soaking up playing time from, he, he adds an element of legitimate score to that team. And they're cooking right now. So uh, they're going to be, Chittard's going to be a tough out. See, when I grew up, Cathedral and Chittard were always good. So you could always go to those games, and they're really close to home for me especially Shatar, not that Cathedral's that much farther away, but, but it's, it's really, it's really cool when those schools and I throw, I lump North central into that mix too, you know, their arrival really cool when the schools that are right, right around here, are really good. <laughs> Cause it just, yeah, gives, same. yeah, it gives me a lot of options. So, same with up here. Yeah. Not that I'm not willing to drive all over creation to watch basketball, but anything, anything you see there that strikes your interest? Uh, I don't think so. We kind of assumed Jalen would get that Purdue offer after, painter was in over break to catch him at the Huntington North thing. And then Vasco gets a army offer. I knew they were kind of kicking the tires on him and would be a good fit for him. I think. What's the other status of those Bosco kids from a recruiting standpoint, you know, uh, other than the offers that we have reported. No, I haven't, I haven't talked to Dave in a while, so I'm not yeah. sure really. I mean, the, you know, two of the kids that I don't want to, you know, obviously the, the, the two kids that, you know, that, that I had the most interest in in terms of the types of looks they get are Babuziak and um, Babuziak and Mahoney, especially. Right. Um, you know, Mahoney, when I went up there to watch them play, Babuziak was hurt. You were there the same week. Same time, yeah. 
Um, he was hurt, so he wasn't participating. But I thought Mahoney looked really different than what he had yeah. at Lake Central. Agreed. You know, much more physical, much, much, obviously better shape. Um, you know, but I think those two guys, Babuziak especially, is a guy that we've always kind of been high on. Yep. Um, and Mahoney's always been a kid I've liked. It just the question was how was he going to be athletically, and he's he's answering a lot of those questions. So I'll be interested to see because I mean, look, we look at Isaiah Davis who's committed to Huntington. He's more skilled than Mahoney. Um, but you know, he's there at that NAI level, very, very competitive NAI level, but yeah, that's for sure. That's to show you how, how tough that is. You've got to be the center positions changing at all levels. Um, especially college. I mean, obviously in the NBA, but, but it's definitely changing the college level where the, the back to the basket guy is no longer just the guy you absolutely positively have to have. You, you have to have size and length, but if you're skilled like Isaiah, you know, obviously the, the better ones are the, you know, the ones that go division one are the guys that can do both, you know, um, or they're just so electrically athletic and, and physical around the rim. They can drive like, like a trace Jackson Davis, for example, at IU, but I'm going to see Ethan Oakley play this week, North Harrison. So I'm anxious to see how his season's going. Um, but uh, yeah, Babuziak and, and uh, Mahoney are the two kids in this class that, I think we're kind of low, definitely division one kid or Babuziak to me is definitely division one kid. Mahoney was a kid that was just sort of wait and see. And yep. I guess we're still waiting and seeing, right? We're still in holding pattern. Yep. Right. All right. Now we're going to talk about two a hierarchy. We've done this at the four a and three a level. We're going to do this at the two a level this week. And next week we're going to close it out with one a coming into it. I know Zach, you Nick and I did the preview stuff, but we both agreed that Central Noble and Linton were the top two teams coming in. We both were really strong on Park Heritage. Nick was – I I probably missed the boat on South Spencer, although I don't know. Let's check right quick who they've lost to. They've lost to Evansville Memorial and Heritage Hills, so two 3A schools. So they're still looking good for, for March. So they'll probably need to be part of the discussion down south. Um you know, but but between 3A and 4A, I felt like we were pretty good on what we came up with. The 2A one we've, is a complete cluster at this point, right? <laughs> I mean, our our top, it's Central. We I had Central Noble, Linton, Park Heritage, Heritage Christian, Northeastern, Park Tudor, Blackhawk Christian, Wapahani, Eastern Hancock, and then Eastern Pekin. Um, so I'm not doing too bad because Park Heritage right now, the games are losing. They're losing without Christian. They're, they're losing without Christian Jones. He's been injured. Park Tudor's losses are to Park Heritage, Avon, and North Central. They're not going to have to worry about Avon and North Central come state tournament time, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so up, up north, two teams I know you've seen. Well, I think you've seen Blackhawk, right? Have you seen yep. Blackhawk yep. this year? I, yeah. I did, I did. <clears throat> So if we're doing it like we've done in the past, the, the previous two classes, I mean, we're looking at up north, it's Blackhawk and Central Noble have have stayed the course, correct? Yes. They've they've correct. lived up, they've lived up to their side of it. Yep, for sure. Now Monroe Central, does Monroe Central do they go north or oh man, hold on a second. I gotta go see where's Monroe Central at? 
Blackhawk plays uh, Homestead on Tuesday, so that'll be a good one. Blackhawk play, yeah, they do play Homestead on Tuesday. I, I was more Joey Moreland was asking if I was coming up for that sectional forty. So wait, thirty three. So sectional forty goes north. So Monroe Central and Wapahani, two really good teams at two A level, go north. And they, that would probably mean they go to Newcastle for regionals. For regionals, yeah. Okay. Which would be Northwood. Which would also um, – no, Northwood's 3A. Oh, that's right. My fault. Yep. Northwood Sorry. goes to Newcastle. For, that's yes. the weird one. Yeah, it is. That's the messed up one. Because Blackhawk and Central Noble will come over to uh, North, North Judson Regional. And I say best up just in terms of distance. I mean, there's, yeah. there's got to be yeah, – yeah, I yeah. mean – it's got even if it's Muncie Central, there's got to be a better even if it's Marion, there's got to be a better place to play that semi or that regional. Although Marion already hosts their own regionals, so maybe that's a problem. So, so up north, we've got Central Noble, we've got Blackhawk, we've got Monroe Central, we've got we've got um Wapahani, and then we definitely have Eastside. Eastside was a school we didn't have ranked, um, but definitely, definitely in consideration. Um, anybody else cracking that list as far as I mean, East Side's eleven and zero. Neither Nick or I had them in our top ten. Um, they they did have some graduation lo- lo- graduation losses, even though they returned their best player. They lost their coach to Carroll. You, know, you just wondered if if how much were they going to be able to sustain the type of season they had last year? But they're in the same sectional with Central Noble. Yeah. Um, and let's see what their quality wins are. Have you seen Eastside yet? I did. I saw them play uh, West Central at West Central. I'm um, sorry, uh, West Noble. So there you go. I was going to say, the, wow, West Central. Yeah, West Central. <laughs> that, would, that would not have been a good game. Not a good game. So their their wins are over West Noble, which you saw. Their wins are over DeKalb early in the year. Um, that was kind of surprising, although I don't know what DeKalb has. Um. I don't know how tough their schedule has been. I mean, West yeah. Noble's five and four. Um, yeah, Lakeland's not great. Canterbury's not that great. So I guess that's the question is, are they tested now? They're going to get tested here pretty soon because they're going to play Central Noble coming up here uh, in a couple of weeks, and they're going to play Fremont the following week. And when we get to the 1A stuff, we're going to be talking about Fremont. Then they have Westview. Yep. Who at four and four still – Usually pretty good, right? Their last, their, they've lost their last three. Yeah, they lost to some tough teams, but but yeah, Central Noble, East Noble, and Angola, and and Northwood, <laughs> and their other loss was to Northwood. So there, that's a team that's been tested. Um, so I would knock East Side down a little bit, just on their sk- strength of schedule at this point, right. the prove it factor, so to speak. I would agree. I mean, Central Noble's definitely tested. Blackhawks definitely tested. Um, and um, Monroe Central. I mean, shoot, we just awarded them player. The, we we awarded their whole team player of the week <laughs> for what they did over break, uh, winning the Connorsville tournament, beating Connorsville, and then Bloomington North. Yeah. Um. The rest of their set. I mean, they beat North Northeastern, which they have to do if they're going to win that sectional. They beat Lapel, uh, which is always a threat come March. Hagerstown's down this year. Daleville is having a good year. Um, 
but they're but they're they stepped up their schedule by playing Connor in the Connorsville event and they went down there and won the damn thing. I mean that's and I know Bloomington North had an injury. I don't know when Claver got hurt, but it's still an impressive win to beat Bloomington North for them. Still and their schedule gets tougher too. They're gonna end up playing Eastern Hancock coming up, who we're gonna have part of this mix here pretty soon. Um Frankton, who we've not mentioned here, but they're always good. Uh, though they're four and six right now. <laughs> These teams always always good. I always, always yeah, well, <laughs> it's like they've lost three of the last four within the last week. So they yeah. it's like thinking Franklin was really going pretty well. And then they lost three in a row. Um, so what the hell do I know? Um but yeah, I think that um I think Monroe Central is gonna be in that mix or has to be part of the conversation. And then down south. I mean, it's just easy to say what Linton, South Spencer. You don't get to see these teams down south. So at this point, no. I'm just talking to myself, right? Yep, yep, you are. What have you seen about Blackhawk that you like? <clears throat> Everything. Typical, <laughs> typical uh, Coach Davidson approach, uh, banging in the side with first. And then they've got Sefton out who can shoot it outside or he can put it on the floor and score at the rim. I mean, there's, they're probably as balanced as ever. I mean, they're they're just a solid team all around. Is that his son? That's the Davidson. We, we're running out of Davidsons, right? Yeah, I think there's still one more. I, I I don't have a roster handy right in front of me, but I'm pretty sure there's one on the team still. Did he have a triple double recently? First or who? No, um, Davidson. Oh, I'm not sure. Maybe. All right, Joey, you listen. You, Joey, you listen to this. You you can text me. Let me know. Yeah. They're um, tough. They're just tough. I mean, we'll, the Homestead game will be good. They'll make it a good game. They they play Lure still. They play Snyder still. They play Tindley still. Marion, Leo. I mean, they – Yeah, if ever a team's been tested. We always talk about Blackhawk and how they, they'll play anybody anywhere and how we love that. So I mean, Fort Wayne North, New Haven, Central Catholic, obviously a good 1A school. Yep. Um, South Bend St. Joe, they played them and beat them. I mean, they go down the, the North Davies tournament, beat North Davies and Bar Reeve and, and then Brownstown Central. Then they come home and beat South Bend St. Joe and 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 Fort Wayne Concordia is yeah, struggling, but they got talent. It's young talent. Yeah, long young but, talent for sure. Yeah. But they started the year of 0 and 3 and now they're five and five. So they're starting to get some traction. Um then they go to Homestead, and they play Dwinger. And then Wayne and South, who were hit and miss sometimes. But then, yeah, as you said, Tenley, Snyder, Marion, good Lord. <laughs> I mean, I don't think they're going to come in. I don't think they're going to be undefeated come March, right? I Chances are not likely, but but they'll be tested for sure, ready to roll into sectionals and in the, the tournament. You know, imagine you're Central Noble and you're like, all right, once this first kid gets out of here. Yeah. We got one <laughs> shot at this. Not that they didn't feel like they had a shot last year, but they're like, we got one shot at this thing. We're going to go through here and we're going to roll. And I think we all kind of thought that. And then you're like, oh, wait a minute. Sefton's probably better than what we thought. Yeah. You know, Davidson's probably better than what we thought. Yep. Yep. Um, and who's the kid they have that I, gosh, dang it. I forget his name. Shoot. He's a senior now. Um, Hold on, I'm going to get his name because I want to. He deserves some props because Boyer, they got the yes, Boyer kid. Yes, that's the kid that when things were kind of going a little bit sideways for him, um, I, I forget what game it was. Um, if it was Hall of Fame last year or even in the state finals, Boyer came through. It was the Hall of Fame. Boyer came through with some pretty damn big rebounds. Yeah, 
looks like he looks like he lifts hay bales all summer, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something. Um, Central Noble better this year than they were last year. I think so. I think I think Logan Guard's stronger as a senior now. He's committed to trying, and some of the pieces around those guys are little better as well and they have uh uh shoot connor's little brother now too and they might be a little more a little deeper well it's to me it's the guard play right it's yeah. the i mean besides besides connor it's uh, they have schrader and uh oh who's the other guard oh uh, shoot they have another good young guard connor lemon that's it yeah lemon yeah yeah you know, that, that have stepped up in the bigger roles and, and are probably are better than what graduated, probably more talented than what graduated, mm-hmm. which, you know, that happens sometimes. Right. That happens a lot. Um, you know, that's what, um, yeah, I just, I think they're, I think they're a little bit better than what I, what, what they were last year. Monroe Central, the Allen brothers, they've got a lot of scoring there. They like to play fast. They get up and down. Um, The south part of this piece is, I mean, to me, it's you just got to go through Linton. I know Park Heritage. Look, Park Heritage returns the bulk of what they have. They're getting great play from a couple of freshmen. And, you know, the the piece, Nas McNeil moving in from Terre Haute North. He's a good athlete. I mean, they're going to be they're going to be a tough out. Um, but I, I, I just think Linton's in position to be right there as the favorite South Spencer, who from a Sagarin perspective and is probably a little lower than what I think they are. I know Nick Baumgart would love to talk about South Spencer. The team that surprised me down South is, is Southwestern Hanover and what they've been able to do. I mean, I, they lost freaking everybody to graduation, it seemed like. And those are all uh, three of those kids were kids that started since they were freshmen. And I did not give them, I mean, I didn't think they'd be awful, but I didn't consider them at all um, when it came time for this, uh, for this stuff. But, um, and then Southmont is having a good year. I know they've, they've, they've relied a little bit lately or the last couple of years on younger guys. I didn't know that they would be to the point where like they're going to start the year eight and one, and they've got a couple of good wins in their belt. Their, their win over Danville was really impressive. Um, Crawfordsville's down this year. Some of the other schedule, like Greencastle's really down this year. You know, North Putt is is probably not as good as they've been the last couple of years, but they're still surprising people, and they're, they're checking out North Putt's schedule. They're six and two, so that's a good win for Southmont. Um, but and they go down south. Um, so they'll they'll be a factor down there, but I still think everything goes through Linton. Um, but you know, Park Heritage certainly will have a say in that. South Spencer will, and I think it's kind of everybody else looking up. So I don't think we've missed anybody, even though I'm sure people think we missed them. Carol Floro is somebody we talked about before the show up here. Are they north? They go north. What do they do? They they're they're yeah because they're just yeah, they're definitely going they definitely go north. Yeah, you know what. You know, Duff and Skinner are, are really good, long, versatile players at that level. I, I just don't see them. I don't see them knocking out Central Noble. Like Clinton Prairie, same thing. Yeah, they're in the I same don't, conference. I don't, they play Clinton Prairie coming up here. Yeah, that'll be and that'll be a great game. I don't see those guys challenging this just yet. Um, 
and they wouldn't they wouldn't see Central Noble till uh, semi state semi state right or Blackhawk right or Blackhawk right, right right that's the same regional so yeah so it, so if really if you're breaking down breaking it down by regional you're looking at Prairie you're looking at Carroll coming from that side because even when we talked about well no they'll they'll play Monroe Central and, and the you know they'll, they'll get the winner of that sectional in the regional so that'll be Monroe Central Wapahani or Northeastern right. Uh, I believe Northeastern is not in that sectional. So no, no. it'll be Monroe central or Wapahani. Where's Monroe central or where's Northeastern at Northeastern's in 41 Northeastern goes South. Oh, there you go. Um, so that's who Southmont would face. Uh, Northeastern's sectional is you've got to refresh my memory. Here's Oh, Eastern Hancock. So that'll be Eastern Hancock there. The other, yeah, that's the other team down South that I think could make some noise is Eastern Hancock. Um, you know, they are seven and two, but their two losses are Wapahani and New Pal, both, both three point losses. So the Wapahani piece is a conference thing, but they don't, but then they go separate directions in, in the tournament. Uh, so they'll be, so they'll, they'll get away from some of that riffraff. And their sectional is a little easier this year. Shenandoah's, I mean, you can always kind of consider Shenandoah a threat because the McCullough, because Coach McCullough's there. Um, Northeastern is probably not having the year they thought they were going to have. Um, but they're not, their losses aren't too bad. Monroe Central, Eastern Hancock, and Chittard. But you've got to win some of those, right? Right. I guess in their set case, they just have to beat Eastern Hancock in March. And there's a good chance that looking at Northeastern schedule the rest of the way, they could win out. Well, they got Connorsville in February, so they could win out other than that game right there and go into their tournament, go into the tournament with just four losses. And I would think most people would consider them a threat. So, but I, I still look at Eastern Hancock as the class of that area. Their guard play is tremendous. They're getting, they're getting, they got a couple six, four, six, five kids who are that, you know, I don't think either one of them start or at least they didn't, that come in and provide production off the bench, uh, scoring and rebounding. But um, South Spencer probably comes out of the deep south. Um, they're, let's see, where, where would they play Linton? What's Linton? Linton would be a regional game for them. So the South Spencer-Linton piece. Um, with Park Heritage, where the Park Heritage is is the northern southern the, is the northern southern semi regional, so they wouldn't face Park Heritage till semi state. So, and then Peak and Eastern is the interesting piece because they've got they've got one loss that was to Scottsburg, who's who's a much improved team this year. They have rattled off ten straight wins. Um, they they beat. Silver Creek, they're getting great play from Cade Jones, their senior guard, who's their leading returning scorer. They're getting great play from Jacob Cherry, 6'10 kid who's rebounding, scoring, blocking shots for them. Uh, they've got a sophomore point guard that started as a freshman. Uh, they've got a nice wins over Silver Creek. They've got a nice win over Evansville Day. They went to uh, whatever event that was down in Evansville and beat them in Mount Vernon Posey. Um, you know, they've scheduled up a little bit. I mean, Scottsburg is their conference. They play Salem every year, which is a 3A school. Um, and their wins have been impressive. I mean, the Borden's got a good group for a 1A school. They've got a nice group. 
Um, but the win over Silver Creek, you know, we didn't have Silver Creek in our 3A rankings, and we, we caught some flack for that. And they've not been very good this year. They just don't have the pieces to go along with, with Brandon Northern. So, But the South is like a different country to you, right? Yep, yep. I don't even know what goes on down there. All right, Zach, what was your best game of the week? Uh, best game of the week happened last night when I headed over to Valpo in the Elements and saw them take on Penn. Mm. Uh, Valpo was down almost the entire game till the fourth quarter, late, late in the fourth quarter. They put a little run together and, and came back and, and beat Penn. Nice. Uh, Valpo had some role players step up big time for them. Uh, Dalton and Flynn both had really good games behind Brees Walls and Mason Jones, obviously. Uh, one, two, three, four, five. They only had six guys score last night. Valpo. Yes. They, they usually have those role player play. guys will hit a bucket yeah, they don't or play two. Much. I think they went pretty deep in their bench against Carmel because they had some foul trouble. They, that's typical for them, though. They always, they, I feel like they're. I've seen them three times now, and they're always running guys in and out of the game. So, uh, and they usually hit threes or hit some shots from outside, but not last night. They they only had a couple guys that, that twenty two made threes in that game last night. By the way, jeez, what did um, what kind of answer did Penn have for Jones? What what, what were they doing defensively? Uh, they were kind of mucking it up in the paint. They had. Uh, they had Gatetti on him a little bit and they, they switched everything too. So, okay. I mean, they didn't really have much of an answer. He Jones actually hit a, a three or two, two threes last night. We talked about his shot before. Right. Um, was he doing anything in the post at all? He, that's what he was looking to do. He was looking to get the ball in the post and then he put the ball on the floor and try to attack the rim a little bit. And yeah. That that's where he gets some points. And I think the level where he's a skilled four, where he's a, a face, you know, he's definitely a skilled four yeah. is where his recruiting will, will be maximized. And that kind of puts him in that mid-major range, especially as his shot improves. And it, it's improved. But And Burton and, and Jones, how did they do? They they do most of the scoring for Penn, or was it? Bert, uh, yeah, it was Burton and Smith and Garwood, those three those three guards. Smith, my fault. I yeah. Joe, it's Joe Smith. Joe Smith, yep. Uh, those three guys, I mean, they do it all for them anyway, <clears throat> for the most part. Um, but yeah, last night Burton had 35 Garwood had 19 and then Joe Smith had 11. So they didn't get much from anybody else. Gatetti had a couple buckets and he had some nice blocks in the paint, but, but they didn't really do much damage inside last night. Like they maybe could have, it was definitely guard play. Yeah, they're. I mean, and Burton's. I mean, Burton's so crafty. He gambles a little bit on defense. Oh, definitely. And, and sometimes you can take advantage of that. Yeah, he was thirteen um, for thirteen from the free throw line. But he can also. He's also just lightning quick and disrupt things and and get out and score. He's dynamite in transition. So yep, yep. And just yeah. Thir- thirteen one of the best for passers from the free throw. Yeah, one of the best passers in the in the state for sure. Definitely one of the best passers in the junior class. So. And he is he is six foot. I mean, I've been up next to him, and he he's not five nine or five ten or whatever. He's 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 listed at six foot, and I think he is six foot. The roads he started. I mean, I, I think he's. I mean, I know he started. Maybe not every single game, but he's been their starting point guard, right for for all for all his entire time in high school. He's 
they took some lumps when when they, those guys were freshmen. And, you know, even Joe Smith was getting varsity clock as a freshman. Yep. Um, and you know, out Coach Rhodes knows what he's doing. He he knew he had a young group of guards, and he took some lumps early and and went with them. So, um, I went up and watched them play Carroll, which for them is an early season game. It's usually that first Saturday of the year or second Saturday of the year. And um, when they were freshmen, it was really really impressed by him so for sure yeah but they just weren't physically able to compete yet and now they are that was their first loss of the year correct uh yeah yeah they were undefeated and really well, that, I, was, that was a good test for valpo too i feel like we i kind of mentioned that on twitter before was that yeah it is I mean, for both it, teams look we, we like it when these teams play good teams out of their conference and then they, they schedule out they schedule well um you know Look, Valpo, Valpo is going to be probably the best team in the region. Or no, Chesterton. It's Chesterton. Chesterton it's yeah. Gee, even Christmas. Yeah. Easy. How can, I, how can I forget that? Um, my best game of the week, I think predictably, was what I saw last night as well. Carmel Westfield. <clears throat> I mean, we, we touched on a little bit before we started recording. I think everybody definitely, a lot, most people view that as a big win for Westfield. I kind of view it as a win for Carmel. You know, um, both these teams would rather win in March than win last night. Yeah. Obviously, both these teams would rather win both games. Uh, it is the first time that Braden Smith has beaten Carmel, I think, ever, <laughs> even, that, even back to middle school. Well, <laughs> and I, when I mean Carmel, I mean, like, Suter and Williams, because that would have been Clay Middle School. Carmel's got three middle schools. Um, I could be wrong on that. I don't know. But I know in high school he's not beaten them yet. So getting over that hump was a, is a big deal mentally. Now they know they've done it. Now they know they can do it. One problem, Josh Wack didn't play. He had COVID. Charlie Williams didn't play. He had COVID. And they're both in a situation where they just have to have a certain number of practices before they're allowed to play. I don't know if that's an ITSA rule or if that's a Carmel thing. But they were neither one of those guys played this, this, this past weekend. And Suter, who I'll contend is not 100% yet from his injury, he, you know, he didn't play against Anderson. And I felt the same way at the end of the Anderson game that, that I did after last night was both those games were basically one senior and four juniors the entire game. And Carmel beat Anderson 70 to 45, and they came out and they, they took Westfield to the wire and lost by a basket. And I would say one second longer, Carmel, Carmel wins. They got the drop off and they got the finish. It just was after the horn. Um, they got the up help. Suter made a nice read, but then the clock expired as as Duall was catching it and going into his shot. So, so but Westfield played well. Now last night, Braden Smith was hurt. I don't know if he was injured coming into the game, but you know, and luckily it wasn't his foot. I originally had tweeted something about his ankle or his lower, you know, his foot area. He missed pretty much all of fall with a broken foot. He's playing this year with a special orthotic that's meant to continue to heal the foot while still allowing him to play. But he had a situation where he got twisted up with one of his teammates going for a loose ball. And he was noticeably a little bit hobbled as he came out of that situation. Then I noticed several times in the first half where he would wince every time he came to a stop or at least a hard stop. And I thought, well, crap, you know, he's something's wrong with his foot. But then at halftime he came out and they were stretching him and they really were focused on his hip. So he took some big falls during the game. 
the first half especially, the final two plays of the half especially, where he kind of got legged whipped and in, 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 with no call. Um, but then, you know, he shot the heck out of it in the second half. Cam Hafner kind of kept them in the game uh, in the first half. Uh, but then Braden hit three threes in the second half that, you know, both of all three of them were him getting it on his own. And I thought Carmel defensively made him work. I do think he still probably ended up having a good scoring game. And that was the best I had seen him shoot this year from the perimeter. Um, not to say that he ha- doesn't hasn't shot well. It's just of three games I've seen, it, that's that's the best I've seen him shoot. And, you know, all that together, he wasn't 100% either. Um but in the past, when Carmel has played them, the MO has been don't let don't let him make the other guys better. And they've always felt like they could beat him um, in that scenario. And I thought they did a good job of keeping that game plan intact last night. But Carmel predictably is not going to score as well um, when when they don't have Pete, when they don't have Josh, when they don't have Charlie. And they took that game down to the wire. And they, you know, they got they got good production, some of the juniors, but um, but it just wasn't enough. But I, I still think they left that game feeling pretty good about what the rest of the year looks like. So saw some really good motion last night. So I was pretty happy with that. So nobody cares about that like I care. No, nope, nobody cares about the motion. Right, I know. <laughs> Best team. Um, man, I hate to leave that or stick with the same game because so I know we tried not to but no it's all right I'll save I'll save Valpo last night even though I kind of feel like we and we just said a little bit ago Chesterton still got an edge on them they play soon here though um, Valpo is the best team I saw going from Tuesday to Friday to, to last night just because of putting pieces together and role players stepping up for them and their freshman Jack Smiley uh, love this kid love what he does so uh, Valpo is probably the best team. Mason Jones, actually, he, he, I felt like he asserted himself last night and he wanted, he wanted these guys to win. Um, put his, he even put teammates in position to hit shots. Uh, Michael Flynn is the guy I was talking about earlier for them. He had some big threes in the fourth quarter set up by Mason Jones and Brees Walls. And I just, they just, they're the, they're the team that I think, could give Chesterton some trouble. So we'll see. We'll see coming up here soon. Yeah. I mean, if we're looking at regional, the region for four a, I mean, it's definitely Chesterton and Valpo and, and I think crown points in that mix. I don't think that I think crown point would have a better chance of beating Valpo than, than Chesterton. Yeah. Um, Portage gave Valpo a, tr- a little trouble Friday night too. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I ultimately in Valpo, I, mean, I, I guess if we, if we're going to rank him, we, I think we both kind of viewed Valpo as the second best team up there, especially after getting a chance yeah. to watch the Manchesterton play over break. So that's kind of how <laughs> I left it, but best team I saw this week, even though I lost the pike, um, Friday night was, was Fishers. Um, and I really felt between them, Carmel and, and Westfield, they they did the best job of, of attacking their game plan and executing it 
and just controlling the game. I mean, the, the Carmel-Westfield game was great last night to watch, um, but but I thought Fisher's win over Lafayette. Jeff, they, they took hold of that game early. They never really let Jeff get back into it. I mean, it was never a blowout, and, and Jeff was, you know, cut at the four a few times, but never really had the ball down four. Uh, it was it was always Fisher's. It would get the four, and then Fisher's would drag it out back to ten. So the game played anywhere between four and ten, and Fisher's never, never was on defense with a chance to lose the game. And to me, that's that's how you control a game. And and they were impressive, and they've got, you know, they've got a lot of they've got a lot of good pieces. Obviously, we've talked a lot about Jalen Harrison. I'm going to talk a little bit about him later as well. Um, we we they've got Jeffrey Simmons, who's really you know who's really improved his face up game. You know, he's definitely a th- definitely a three point threat now. Not that they're going to wrap a ton around it, but he's definitely a guy you got to guard, and that gives those other guys space, including Jalen, in, including including Bryce Williams, and Charlie Smith is is such a a glue guy and a guy that's hitting open shots now and and a, and a tremendous passer. They they bring a couple of six five six six kids off the bench that provide a little B for them if when Jeff you know when Simmons gets in a little bit of foul trouble. Um, so they've got a lot of pieces and they've got a lot of different directions they can go with their lineup. And they, they kind of choked the life out of Jeff, but I was impressed with Jeff, especially Javon Buchanan. He played well. Um, he is, he's a smooth player. He is definitely a division one player. Um, I don't know what he'll need. Doesn't have any of those offers yet, but he is, you know, he might maybe need a post-grad year just to get on the scene. I don't know that a lot of schools in this area know much about him, but he was as impressive a player as I've seen. All, all week, even though he won't be my best performance of the week. So I'm going to go a little homer here when we get to that point. So so Fishers was the best team that I saw this week, but they lost to Pike. Now, we, we may regret not putting Pike and Ben Davis in our 4A hierarchy. Um, both those teams are having great years, just a little sidestep here. And I think if, the, if whoever gets out of that Indianapolis regional in 4A is probably going to get to the state finals. So I don't. The South is in 4A is pretty bleak. <laughs> I mean, not that you know. I guess Bloomington North could step through and get a win, but um, you know, Evansville Wright certainly will be good. But I, I think the winner of the Indianapolis Regional will get to the state finals, um, and it definitely could be Pike or Ben Davis. So, but but um, Pike had to really play well to beat Fishers because Fishers was playing really well coming into that game. So, so Fishers was my team of the week. Who was your player of the week, your player performance of the week? I'm going to try to get away from the, my game last night. <clears throat> I'm going to go Friday night's game of Peru and Oak Hill. Uh, I'm going to say Landon Beagle in the loss. Yeah, he had 30, 30, 31 and 10. Uh, such a quick shot. Gets himself in a place to, to get the shot off easily, too. Um, he did uh, – kind of talked about this, too. He doesn't have much help. But he, he also uh, made some – some tough passes that maybe weren't the best decision, but uh, at the same time, I mean, he's trying to get his team to win and they came back right. and they were down quite a bit and he brought them back to within a couple baskets <clears throat> before they lost it though. But, but he had 31 shoots it so well. He had struggled uh, coming into that game. Yeah. Shooting. So I tweeted at him. Water finds its level and he's going to be, I mean, he shot, I want to say he shot 48% from the peak last year at a very, very high volume. And he shot 45% for us this past year, this past summer. Very, very high volume. We're, we're going to go double. We're going to go double, uh, double my guys this week. I like it. Um, 
so he was he had been struggling, but he's he's one of the best shooters in the class for sure. Um, I look for that percentage to climb. Look for him to percentage wise take a leap. So, yeah, I should have um, tracked that. I didn't. He had, he had five threes, and I should have no, kept track of how he how he did otherwise. No, you're fine. And what, what he's been trying to do is do more off the dribble. Yeah, and he did and, that. You know, yeah, the playmaking comes with that. You know, the crawl kid is good. Um, he got really yeah, foul I mean, trouble, so that hurt them. Oh, did sure. he? Okay, yeah. yeah. So if, yeah, so if he's getting in foul trouble, yeah, the rest of their stuff. I mean, as much as I like the strange, as much as I like Strange, their point guard, he is. Um, he is like, he's going to be the guy that hits open shots and finds people. He's not going to be the guy that's out there creating a ton. And he didn't um, even score for them. So that didn't Oh, help. he didn't. Yeah. No. So um, he's the dude that's, he's the, he's the, he's a very unselfish piece of that team. So did their six, seven sophomore play at all? The Fagan kid. Yeah, he did. He came in, in the varsity and, uh, game. Good. Yeah. Yeah. He came in the third, the second quarter and had like five rebounds and <laughs> a couple putbacks. Well, he'll give them something. He's decent. He's he's raw. He's developing, but he's he definitely. I thought he had a little had some promise when I watched him over right before Christmas. So, well, I'm going straight home. My my player of the week will be Dylan Moles from Greenfield Central. Just full out disclosure, he plays for me in the summer. Uh, his game against Mount Vernon, he had 33 points, three assists. Um, I think he had five or six rebounds. But his aggressiveness with the ball, hunting shots. Scoring in transition, um, being more aggressive off the catch, just not not off the drive, but but off the catch, getting into a shot. He's starting to understand that he can do that, you know. And you can see a little bit of, especially playing their county rival Mount Vernon, who's very good this year. The Twins are going to IUPUI. He torched them. He was the best player on the floor against against them. I mean, he was the best player on the floor be, between both teams. The twins weren't super engaged until it mattered. And even then Armand was the only one that really got going. Now part of that was Greenfield junked it up a little bit with, with their zone and can, you know, can make some, make other people beat them. Um, but uh, you know, Greenfield led most of the game, but Mount Vernon climbed their way back into it. And then they took a lead and you thought, well, maybe Greenfield might fall a little bit, but they didn't. And a lot of it is because moles brought them back, you know, and Dylan was really, was outstanding. He shot the ball. Well, um, you know, he's, he's finally starting to turn the corner on, I can go out and get buckets. I can go out and, and just get a basket when we need it. And, and that mentality came through. And I mean, 33 points against a, a Mount Vernon team that is eight and two, their only losses are to Fishers and Westfield. So that's two division one players on the floor. That's, that's a good game. So Dylan Moles gets, gets my, I guess, player performance of the week. Uh, young guys, who is your most promising prospect of the, the guys you see? And it could be anybody else you've seen. It doesn't have to be someone different each time. Yeah, Jack Smiley again. I mean, yeah. freshman from Valpo, long, smooth, not afraid of the moment. Comes in, does his thing, hits shots. I mean, hit three threes last night against Penn and big-time spots and had 13 points against them. Tough dude. So he, yeah, so he scored. Yeah. Nice, because he didn't. He really didn't get much of a chance against in the Carmel game. So, um, my pro. Well, the first time I saw Fishers this week during the school season was this week. So I'm going with Jalen Harrelson. It's a no brainer. He was. We talked a little bit about it after the game. You and I did that uh, Twitter space 
deal that I like to like like for us to do it again sometime. Um, I said it then. I believe it now. I know Javon Buchanan had a good game, but he made Javon Jalen Harrison made Buchanan work. And what really impresses me about Jalen was it was definitely not his best offensive production from from that standpoint. But what really impresses me about Jalen is how he is always playing with purpose without the basketball. His ability to cut, his 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 awareness to cut, um, and he's always seeking gaps in the other team's defense. At least that game he was, and you know, looking for. I mean, Lafayette Jeff switched a lot, um, so there was never really a set guy on him, and he he knew when he had a smaller guy on him, he he would basket cut or, or curl cut, you know, and, and take that guy in the post. He never really got any touches in there. And I don't know, you know, what was, you know, it's hard to go through the, you know, the mind of a kid and figure out what they see versus what they don't see. But he was never, he, he always kept moving. And again, they played well as a team, uh, just without his offensive production. So it was, it's good for him to, to not get a ton of touches, but to keep playing, you know, and, and to understand, hey, this is working. We're winning. That's what matters the most. And again, I don't know what's going through his head. He might be, frustrated but he doesn't let it show and that that was an impressive game for him and and even though statistically it may not be one of his better games but I think it, it reflects a lot of growth in his part and I was really I really enjoyed watching him play and I enjoyed watching him guard Buchanan he made Buchanan work and um, you know definitely Buchanan can feel good with the production he got because I think you know look back and Harrelson even that even as a freshman will be one of the better players at the high school level that guards him so well, Harrelson's my promising prospect of the week. Zach, I think that kind of wraps it up. You have to read ready? Yeah. Let's roll. Box Out Sports is leading online graphic solution, giving you the ability to create professional content in seconds to highlight your team and student athletes this season. Sign up for a free demo at boxoutsports.com. I want to thank everyone for listening to this episode of Courts at Indiana Podcast. Do us a favor and hit the subscribe button or add depending on which app you use on your podcast app to get them delivered straight to your phone, tablet, or desktop. And as always, we'd appreciate a rating and review. And you can reach us directly on our Courtside Indiana Twitter and Instagram. DMs are always open at uh, Courtside IND. That's Courtside IND. Or just search for us at Courtside Indiana. Zach, what games you got looking, looking forward to this week? So this week I'll be heading out to Arizona to catch out GCU. They play so just thir- completely useless this week. Completely useless this week. Jeez. I'll be down there Thursday and Saturday for their games. So you'll be down there all most of the week? Yep. <laughs> all right. Getting out of this um, weather. Well, nothing else for me. It's Carmel Cathedral. That'll be Wednesday night at Cathedral. Um, that'll be a good game, right? <laughs> I hope so. Hopefully, hopefully I think. Black and Williams will be ready to roll. Uh, I haven't looked in the weekend yet to know what I'm doing. Oh, no, this weekend's my Evansville weekend. So this weekend I'll be down watching North Harrison and Peak and Eastern. But I'm looking forward to the Cathedral Carmel game. Clinton Prairie plays Carroll Flora this week. That'll be a big game. Big game, yeah. Teams in that area. Then they play each other in sectionals too. Yeah, we're not going to be able to cover all this. Obviously, Homestead plays Blackhawk on Tuesday night. You mentioned that. Was that Tuesday night? Yep, Tuesday. Yep. I don't know where I'm going yet Tuesday, but yeah, definitely Wednesday. The game I'm looking forward to is Carmel Cathedral. So, guys, listen every week. We appreciate it. 
guys that are listening, people that are guys, people that are listening for the first time, hit that subscribe button, man, and come back and listen again. Zach, appreciate it. Have yes. a good week, man. Yep.